0: praise god hallelujah this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it amen there is nothing annoying than your microphone not working but we are here we will still do church anyway anyhow amen thank god for another day in his presence let's pray Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. I ask the Holy Spirit to speak through me. Uh, minister to me, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit be the inspiration behind whatever will be articulated this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have been continuing our series on the ministry of. Sorry, I don't have a microphone, so uh, bear with me. I'm going to try and, and scream. We've been continuing our series on the Ministry of Reconciliation. Uh, Last week, we turned our attention to Ephesians and looked at the second chapter. We looked at how God has reconciled us to himself, irrespective of our dirty and sinful past. So last week, we really took a look at who we really were. It wasn't anything to boast about. Like we read... In the words of Ephesians 2, verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world. We conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh and fulfilled the desires of our flesh. And by nature, we were all children of wrath. That was our past. That was our past. But thanks be to God that whilst we were even in our sin, wallowing in our sin, the Bible lets us know that God loved us because he is rich in mercy. So we are grateful for the love of God. We also saw how Christ became the agency of reconciliation. His death and his resurrection adjusted the differences that existed in our connection to God. So how did God demonstrate his love? He demonstrated his love by sending his son to adjust the differences so that man's connection to god could become like it used to be we have a relationship with god because of christ and we have also experienced the riches of his grace in kindness so two things that stands out in ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. we have experienced god's love because god is rich in mercy And we have also experienced the riches of Christ's grace in kindness because he died for us. He put his body on the line, laid down his life so that he will pay the penalty that we couldn't pay to satisfy every condition. We also saw last week that salvation is a work of grace. It's a free gift. It is not of works that anyone should boast. And lastly, we came to realize that we are the master's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. And when we talk about being God's masterpiece, we are talking about an architect who puts his finest design on display. We are talking about a painter who paints his best work and puts it on display. Or even, let's say, at an auction. We are talking of a porter who makes one of his best Trees and puts it on sale. In that same vein, God's best work is man being regenerated and being born in Christ. That is his best work, and he has put us on display for his glory. And what are we? Like verse 10 said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But that's the reason why I've been created. We've been showcased as God's masterpiece so that we will do forth good works that we have been ordained into. And in the context of this, one of the good works that God will expect us to do is to become ministers of reconciliation, embrace the ministry of reconciliation, as Second Corinthians chapter 5 says. And when we talk about ministry, it means office and administration. So we step into the office of a reconciler and we administer the duty of reconciliation to all men to be blessed amen so today we will continue in that same vein and like i said last week Ephesians chapter 2 covers the ministry of reconciliation the word of reconciliation the price of reconciliation and its effects so last week we basically looked at just the ministry of reconciliation and today we are going to go into all the other angles so turn with me to ephesians chapter 2 again and let's finish the chapter we are looking at the last 11 verses of chapter 2. excuse me ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 to 22 and i read Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. By now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 13. By now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's important to emphasize that. 14. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of god 20. having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen. So now, according to these verses we just read, Apostle Paul now shifts from talking about the history of man in general and now focuses on the Gentiles. The Ephesians were non-Jews. They were Gentiles. So now Apostle Paul gave the general picture of who man was without Christ. After the fall of man, I said last week, we were all affected with a contagion more deadly than coronavirus. It's called SIN, SIN. And when sin infected and affected the human race, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world, and the Bible says that we also walked according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. We conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, and we also fulfilled its desires, and not just God. By nature, we heaped upon ourselves the judgment of God, thereby making ourselves children of wrath. We didn't have a good destiny. So after Apostle Paul had given this general overview of man, he now focuses on the Gentiles. He said that now you who Gentiles, you were uncircumcised and you were uncircumcised according to what was done in the flesh called circumcision. During those Bible times, to be considered a Jew, you had to go through the Abrahamic rite of circumcision. And circumcision was a sign that God had made a covenant with his chosen people. So everybody who was of Jewish stock had to be circumcised. And the funny thing is that it's not only Jews. uh, Like, if you are circumcised, you are even seen as a Jew. During those times... You, you, you had to be recognized as a Jew by your father's lineage, not by your mother's lineage. So if your mother was Greek or Gentile and if if your if your I'm sorry, if your mother was Jewish and your dad was Greek or Gentile, you are not a Jew. So it doesn't even matter if you even do the circumcision you are not seen as a Jew. And in, in the eyes of Jews, being a real Jew is a Jewish man and a Jewish woman marrying, and you coming out of that union. It's not half and half. They, they don't consider you a Jew, so even if you go through the rite of passage. and those days, if you are uncircumcised, it had a spiritual implication. It meant that you were not part of the covenant of God. It meant that you were not part of the country of Israel. It meant that you didn't have the blessings of Abraham, their father. And it also meant that you were a paganist. And that's how they will see you. So, um, Apostle Paul was letting the Ephesian church who have now been washed by the blood of Christ and who are now considered their own. He said, let me just draw you back to your past. Every now and then, when we come to church and we have accepted Christ, it is good to reflect because when we reflect... It lets us value and appreciate how pricely our salvation is. I feel like sometimes the people who tend to take salvation for granted are believers. You know, sometimes we look at it like it's free grace and, and we you know we get so indoctrinated in church, church world and church culture not valuing the relationship we have with God, not valuing the relationship we have with the Spirit. And then it becomes mundane. So every now and then, Apostle Paul needs to draw their mind back. And he said that you were uncircumcised. Not just that you didn't have Christ. You were without Christ. You were without Christ. You were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. And what was the covenant of promise? That out of Abraham, there is going to be a seed or the seed. Who is Jesus? He will come and deliver the world from sin. A Messiah. That was the covenant of promise that the Jewish people really held on to. Now, if you were a Gentile, you you were a stranger to this covenant of promise. They were without hope. Hope in this sense meant that they didn't have a future. And a Gentile dies, he will go to hell by birth, by lineage. It's no hope. You are hopeless. And you are without God. Because in the Old Testament, God came for the Jews. And there was a reason why he came for the Jews. So after Apostle Paul outlined this, he said, But now in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are thankful that. Reconciliation had an inclusion plan for non-Jews. A Gentile or a non-Jew is anybody who is not a Jew, as simple as that. And thanks be to God that this Christianity that we find ourselves in, it is not just a Jewish culture, but it's a human culture. Because when Jesus died, he abridged the differences, he adjusted the differences that when you when god looks at man after his son's death he doesn't look at a jew from a gentile but he rather sees one human race who have been washed by the precious blood of christ especially if one makes a concerted effort to receive christ as his lord and personal savior reconciliation came at a price And like I said, this this chapter addresses the price of reconciliation. Reconciliation came at the price of blood. And it was the blood of the Son of God. That was the price. So we have to value our connection to God. Because it came at a very costly price. It came at the shedding of someone's life. So that a Jew and a non-Jew, there will be no difference between the two of them. And the, the interesting thing is that when Jesus was on the cross, he became our peace. So that relationships between our fellow men can be bridged. So now when we are talking about reconciliation, it's a big spill. It just doesn't have to do with God connecting back to man. It also has to do with man connecting to man. Christ died so that there will be no earthly tensions, earthly divisions, and earthly schisms among men. Because of Christ's death, we should not see a Jewish from a Gentile. We should not see a white from a black. We should not see a Hispanic from an European. But we are all one in Christ. Christ died and became our peace. And when he became our peace, he didn't just build the relationship between us and God so that we can have a good connection. He also became our peace so that the relationships that we have between fellow men can be a bridge. So don't believe in society's divisions, society's schisms. Sometimes in society we use certain words just to create a gap upper middle class, working class. We, we, we use these just to bring divisions. But when we understand this gospel of reconciliation, this gospel of reconciliation has also come and fixed our human relations between one another. That is why when you are a Christian, one of the things that you should not be engaged in is division. And things that will will widen society and humanity apart, we should not be involved in it. Because if you are like that, then you haven't yet understood the power of reconciliation. If you still have opt against any, you, are, you haven't understood reconciliation. Reconciliation means that there should be peace between men. Amen. And sometimes people may not want peace, but settle it in your mind and in your heart that I'm a peaceful man. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5. So be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker in making sure that humanity who haven't yet experienced God will experience God and then they will experience a connection. That is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Be a peacemaker in the sense that if you have relationships that you have opt against any, you you will just address the differences and keep it going. Sometimes you might build the relationship and maybe the dynamics may change. You might not eat with the person again, you might not do certain things with the person again, and that's okay. But what is more important is that at least peace prevails between both of you that you don't go to bed angry at one another but of a truth you can say that i am bearing the fruits of righteousness which includes peace harmony and making up with fellow man because i am a new creation and i have been a beneficiary of reconciliation so when jesus came he was not just interested in man's connection to god He was also interested in the division that existed between a jew and a gentile that also needs to be fixed ladies and gentlemen if there are any gulfs that we have fixed between certain human relationships i pray in the name of jesus that we would take those gulfs away and make sure that peace prevails because that is part of the ministry of reconciliation and like i said Maybe the relationship might never be the same. It might never be restored back to its former state. But at least come to a place where both of you have a common ground that at least there is peace between us. Because I am a Christian. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to walk in the fruit of peace. And I choose to bear forth that which is sacrosanct to my new identity the new creation of God. Amen. Now, he also became our peace to abolish the enmity which was in the law. The law was the enmity. Why was the law the enmity? Because the law promoted segregation. Because when God gave the law, he didn't give the law to the human race. He gave it to a section of the human race called the Jews. Gentiles were not privy to the law. And by that alone, that brought about separation and segregation. Now, why did that have to happen? It had to happen for many reasons, which I will not have time to delineate. Amen. But the law promoted segregation. It promoted segregation because it's, We, the Jews, we are the ones who have been chosen. We, the Jews, we are the ones who have received the law. We, the Jews, we are the ones who have received the blessings of God. We, the Jews, we are the ones who work in the blessings of our father Abraham. And they did this at the expense of the rest of the world. And it had to be so, so that when Christ died, All of us, especially those who were without the law, who were non-Jews, we will come to value how great our salvation is. Amen. So, when Jesus died, he also made sure that he took that enmity, which was the law. He, 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 He abolished it in his flesh on the cross. And the enmity that the law also produced, is that it couldn't make you righteous. Jews, there was nobody who was made righteous by keeping the law. You couldn't be righteous. So therefore, it was an enemy. It was an enemy to your new identity. It always screamed condemnation. It always screamed to you that you are in need of a savior. You can't merit the favor of God You can't save yourself by works. That is why salvation is a work of grace. Because no matter how good of a person you are, it will still not satisfy the requirements to be called the righteousness of God. And it was for this reason why God instituted sacrifices. Because if he hadn't instituted sacrifices, the Jewish people would have definitely been finished by the time Jesus would have come on earth. Because the law was a teacher that pointed them to the error of their ways and that taught them that you need a savior, you have limitations. So for this purpose, the law was also an enemy. It was an enemy because nobody could score the points of righteousness with God We've all been accredited righteousness because of Christ who died on the cross and satisfied the penalty and fulfilled every condition that today you and I will not walk condemned, but when we receive Christ, we will experience the gift of righteousness and we will experience liberty in our worship. We will have that liberty in our expression to to worship God. Amen. Jesus became our peace for both Jews and Gentiles, as we have looked in the scripture, that we will be one and we will be connected to God in one body through the cross. So when Jesus was being nailed on the cross, a chain of events to our advantage was taking place. And one of them was that we will have a deeper connection to God Now, mind you, the Jews were given the law, but the Jews were not connected to God. They didn't have access. And as we read in the the Scripture, the Bible says that we now have access by one spirit. Both Jews and Gentiles. Jews didn't really have access. They had access to the laws of God, but they didn't have access to the Father. The Jews always needed intermediaries to... Go on their behalf, that is to have access to God. They needed the priests, they needed the prophets, and at times they need a king who is godly. Without these, it's very difficult to just go into the courts of the Lord to have access. No way, you can't have access. Even during the temple worship, to go into the Holy of Holies where your sin will be forgiven. It was just once a year. And it wasn't even done by the Levites. It was done by the high priest, just the senior man. So just imagine, such a rigid, dogmatic service. All this had to happen so that when Christ died and he took away all these stampedes and all these blockages, we will appreciate our service to God. So even though the Jews had the law they were not better than the Gentiles. They were not better than the Gentiles because they were not made righteous through the law. They were not better than the Gentiles because they did not have access to God until they appointed an intermediary. But today, thanks be to God that when Christ died on the cross, he broke all these barriers, all these blockages, so that we all can have access to God by one spirit. That is the effect of reconciliation. That is the power of reconciliation. And we came to realize the message that Jesus preached. He preached peace. That is the word of reconciliation. So when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which lets us know that We have not just been given the ministry of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation has also been delegated to us. What is the word of reconciliation? It's peace. And what is peace? Peace meaning that Christ has died on the cross. And he has died on the cross for the sins of this world. So that God will have connection Back to the world. He is reconciling the world back to himself through his Son Jesus. That is the gospel of peace. No wonder when you read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, one of the weaponry of the believer is called the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel is peace. It's peace in the sense that we have to promote the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. Because it's true that, that all differences have been adjusted that we can now have a connection to God. And the world needs to know this. The world needs to know this, especially our unchurch friends, our unchurch family members, people that we know who we are not so sure of their faith and their standing. They all need to know this news that Christ has died. And when he died, he died for the sins of the world so that you and I can be reconnected to God. This is the message. It is called peace. And this was the message that Christ preached. And when he preached this message, the Bible lets us know that we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Who are saints and members of the household of God? Believers. So... Apostle Paul is saying that now that you have experienced your newfound faith, you are just like us. So we are not just fellow citizens, we are also saints. Saints means a chosen one, and we are also members. During the Old Testament, people who could call themselves saints were Jews. Psalm 50 verse 5, David said, "'Gather my saints together, who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice.'" It was exclusively a title for the Jews. But when Jesus died, and when he broke down the middle wall of separation, and when Jesus preached peace, he proclaimed peace, that now we have become part of the family. Now that we are near the, 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 the covenant of promise, we are near the commonwealth of Israel, we have a destiny, we have a hope. Now that we have experienced all these things, it's important for us to know the effect of the message of peace. Christ preached peace. And this peace is that we have experienced all these blessings as a result of God reconciling the world to himself. And ladies and gentlemen, people need to know this message. It's a message that needs to be championed abroad It's a message that we should not be shy in delivering. We have to let people know that God is reconciling the world to himself. Let that person who is on drugs know. Let that person who is searching for truth through different religions. Let that person whom society has tagged a bad person, let them know. Let that person who is looking for satisfaction and life's fulfillment this is what can bring you fulfillment. This is what that, that can bring you satisfaction, peace. Understanding that God has forgiven you of your sins, he sent his son Jesus to come and die for you so that you can have connection to God. Because when you have connection to God, it's through that that all your desires will start to experience real fulfillment. No wonder when Jesus came, when he fed the 5,000 in John chapter 6, he said, I am the living bread. If you eat of me, you will never be hungry again. And he called himself the living water to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He says, if you drink of me, you shall never thirst again. Jesus has come to be the end all. He has come to be the cure all to life's test, to life's hunger. Anybody who is searching Needs to experience this gospel. Anybody who is work, working in condemnation needs to experience this gospel that Jesus has become our peace. And once he has become our peace, make peace with your past. The gospel of reconciliation. It starts with preaching the word of peace. That is the word of reconciliation. Letting people know about the implications. Of Jesus dying on the cross. That is the word of reconciliation. Prosperity is not the word of reconciliation. We believe in prosperity. Long life is not the word of reconciliation. We believe in long life. Having a good life is not the word of reconciliation. We believe in having a good life. But Jesus dying on the cross. So that man's sins could be forgiven so that all of us could become candidates of everlasting life that we will have a future and a hope that is the gospel of reconciliation that is the central theme of the gospel that needs to be championed abroad that needs to be noised abroad because you can experience healing you can experience riches you can live a good life but when you experience all these things at the expense of your salvation at the expense of your soul, what good did it promote? What good did it benefit you? I pray that as we hear this message, we will not just hear this and take mental notes or we might really be writing on our notepads, but we will take action upon what we have heard. Mix this word with a heart of faith and believe, God, that I am going to practice this message By ministering the word of reconciliation to someone that needs to be saved. Someone needs to hear, Christ is our peace. He preached peace to us. And because of that, I am the evidence of that. I am the fruit of that. Amen. So, one of the things that Jesus said through Paul in the closing verses of Ephesians chapter 2, is that we are the temple of God. We are his dwelling place. Look at where we started from. Verse 1, we were dead. We have been resurrected. And now in verse 21 to verse 22, we are now the temple of the living God. We are lively stones. We are not just a temple. We carry the presence of the Lord. We have the spirit of God. And that's why Apostle Paul could say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit dwells in you, and you have been bought with a price. So we were dead in verse 1. And through a sequence of events, so the end of chapter 2. Look at our glory, look at our ending. We have been made temples of the living God. We have have been made temples of God's presence, of God's Holy Spirit. And that's why when you receive Christ as a Lord and personal Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within you because you are his temple. Oh, what love. So in Ephesians chapter 2, we have covered grounds on the ministry of reconciliation. We saw how Christ didn't just delegate the ministry of reconciliation to us, but he became it. He became it by resurrecting our lifeless bodies that was under siege by sin. He resurrected our bodies that we could now experience hope. He resurrected our bodies so that now our lifeless dead body that was having pleasure in sin, could now be awake to the things of God, could now enjoy a deeper sense of connection to God. Christ became the agency of reconciliation by participating in the ministry of reconciliation. We who were dead in our trespasses on sins. Now, we read today that we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are not afar off. Not just that, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. That is the ministry of reconciliation. We have looked at the word of reconciliation, which is the gospel of peace. And the peace is, Christ has made peace with our past by dying on the cross for the sins of the world, that we can now have a connection to God our Father. That's the gospel of peace, which is the word of reconciliation. We've looked at the price of reconciliation. The price of reconciliation is it came at the expense of someone's blood. It came at the expense of a life being shed, so that all of us could have a better hope, so that all of us can now call ourselves ministers of reconciliation, so that all of us can call ourselves the master's masterpiece who have been showcased for his glory and then we have looked at the many effects of what reconciliation did for us we have it has made us the temple of god ephesians chapter 2 the last verse it's made us the temple of god where the holy spirit dwells in us so we have experienced all this why so that we can extend it to our fellow man. Lord, we thank you. May we love you more and more. How can I say thanks to you, Lord? How can I say thanks to you this morning? By being a minister of reconciliation. May I embrace the ministry of a reconciler. May I step into the office and administer my duties accordingly. Oh, Lord, help me to be a vessel of goodness, a vessel of blessing. May someone who is searching for truth hear the truth through me. May someone who is down, discouraged, about to give up on life, may that person hear the word of reconciliation through me. Lord, I avail myself. Use me as a vessel, oh, Lord. We have not just learned about all these blessings and all these privileges just to know it for knowing's sake. But it's now our turn to shine the light of the gospel on the rest of the dark world. And that is why his coming is delaying. Because the Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not slow as some of you count slackness but he's intentionally delaying and holding on his coming because he doesn't want anybody, nobody, to perish. And that's why we are here. We are here to fast-track that agenda so that people will not perish. People have to know that Christ is our peace. People need to know that Christ has made peace with our past by dying on the cross for our sins; it doesn't matter, though your sins may be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Thank you, o Lord. Lord, help us to embrace this ministry of reconciliation as we have gone through your word. In Jesus' name, thank you. Why don't you begin to thank God? Thank Him for His love. We love You, Lord. We give You praise. Head Your word this morning. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you. Learned about the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, the power of reconciliation, the effects of reconciliation. Thank you that because of reconciliation, we can now have harmony and live at peace with one another. That is the effect of reconciliation. Thank you, O Lord, that you are fixing relationships between one another. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the restoration of relationships. Jesus' name. We give you praise, O Lord. We've heard your word, O Lord. We will be obedient. And we'll walk in your word. Mixing it with a heart of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.